This is a unmarked rail parther. Please don't touch. You're gonna be looking at it. <laughs> I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 28, Episode 1 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Kurt. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing? You haven't been on in a long time. I know. It's been a while. I'm doing great. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, what's that behind you I see there, Kurt? What's that going on? Oh, this? this yeah. This? This yeah. right here? Oh, well, that's that's a, that's a promotional image that I put there for the game that I'm about to kickstart. Oh. Uh, it's called Lighthearted. I've been running an actual play of it on the Happy Jacks Network, yeah. and uh, it goes live on the 26th. Excellent. Very exciting. And you can go right now, and you can uh, like uh, follow the the pledge page so that it'll let you know when it goes live, so you can be one of the first people. And where do you find that? If you head to lighthearted.games, with an S at the end, uh, you can go and click notify me on launch, uh, and that'll get you the that'll get you a notification as soon as the Kickstarter goes live. Is there a hyphen in that URL, or an M dash, or anything like that? No, no, it's lighthearted.games. Excellent. Okay. Awesome. But first... Do you have anything you want to mention, Kimmy, before I start? <laughs> no. You don't? Uh-uh. Okay, I saw, I saw a thing go out. No. Okay, sorry. My baby's cute. <laughs> they do that. That's their survival tactic. Yeah, it's it is. Cute. Yeah, they're, oh. just, they, they, they're all cute. So that like, when they do something infuriating, like you know, you don't murder them. They're like, but they're so adorable. She's stupid yeah. cute. She's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of it. And uh, I'm still working on Decima, and we're ordering the cards soon. But there's not like any promotional things. Okay. <laughs> Feedback uh, Decima, it's coming soon. Samantha killed it on the art. It's amazing. It does. And, yeah. I saw the I saw the some of the art in the emails you sent out today. It looks really yeah. good. Yeah. That's great. In this episode of Happy Jets RPG Podcast, Jolene writes in about L5R clans and how your initial exposure to the game colors your perception of it. I'd like to talk about that about other games as well. Uh, Ed from Minnesota writes in about heroes, religion, and magic. And MJ writes in with a correction about APs and playstyles. This is from a previous email where we got the gist of the email entirely wrong. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social meteors. It's happyjacksrpg, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe. And we also stream the show live on Friday at 7.05 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. Who would like to read the first email? Oh, I, short I wanted to mention. I, I something just happened to pass by my. I saw it. I don't know where I saw an email or where I saw it. There's there's um, a new the the what is it? Mind's Eye Theater. I can't remember the name of the organization that actually puts the rule book out. But they they come out with a new rule book. They came out. It's Mind's Eye Theater. I think is the people that run the the, the official LARP, but they're coming out with a new rules set. I guess. Oh. Uh, and they're 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 basically doing their own Kickstarter, but they're doing it the, all themselves. Oh, as in like. the whole thing. Like you go to a page which it, it's uh, vampirelarp dot com. I think is what I saw. Oh wow, it's ambitious. Oh, yeah, that's gutsy. But it, well, I mean, you got to have you have to have the credibility. Uh, like business credibility to be able to do that to get people to give you your credit card number on your web page certainly yeah. I mean that's one sort of protection you have if you do it through something else but I mean there it's it's a big deal but it looks like since they came out with Vampire 5 that they're kind of rebooting the LARP rules is what it looks like they're doing mm-hmm. but I was looking at the I went I went to the um the, the, the they have a store uh and it is yeah vampirelarp.com and in the store, oh no, no, by by night studios is the is the the I guess the publisher, and they have all of the different tiers that you can you can get the the thing at, but they also have other like other things you the vampire related larp stuff you can buy, including bath bombs. 
that turn that appear at least from what it looks like they appear to turn the bathwater red. <laughs> Better than black, I suppose. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I figured it'd be like a pre guard thing where it's glitter, so you know you can show up and show off your glitter. Yeah, it's sparkle. Um, yeah. But uh, but they have jewelry and all kinds of stuff on here. I was I was looking through it and it's pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny. Anyway, and it, but, but I kind of wish I had found this when I was running a vampire the vampire game because fucking where else are you going to easily find like sealing wax and and signet rings and shit because you're going to find for, certainly going to find it here i guarantee it but so anyway for those it, I'm, I'm still stuck on bath bombs we need to make a happy jacks bath bombs or poxy bugger <laughs> bath bombs what would they smell like they like you know put, put a poxy bugger bath bomb in the in the tub and it smells like beer and they look like plucked out eyes <laughs> abyssal and blood of my enemy's bath bomb combo <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about buying one. Just, you know, I know a couple of people that might dig that. <laughs> Blood of my enemy bath bombs. Anyway. Blood of my enemy bath bomb. Okay, I just wanted to mention that because that came through, and it is role-playing related. <laughs> Blood of my enemy. Um, we got Happy Jack's bath bombs. What, uh, what, what would we do? Them? What, what would the theme be? Beer. Beer or dice. Maybe you can make them dice-shaped. You yeah, know? well, definitely dice-shaped, but th- that would be the flavor of them. Like, they would be beer-scented. Yeah. I, Make them dark and sneak a D4 in there and so you have to find it. It's like a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the tub, he's been foot right down on it. Oh, found it! If you're lucky, your foot. Right? Yes. <laughs> the, the, um, I was gonna make, Ow. uh, scented candles for fair for the boggards last year when, before, mm-hmm. before fair was canceled. Uh-huh. And I was gonna, ha- I had one called Happy Jacks and Drinkable Ale. Cause th- there is, there's, there's hops. Oils that you can yeah. use for candle making, and there's beer oils that you can make. So you just need those two plus something that smells burned, <laughs> and you've got Happy Jacks. And I was yeah. thinking, uh, Boggard Stage, and find all kinds of unmentionable smells to combine into one, <laughs> and what it actually smells like to be on stage with the Boggard. I thought it'd be kind of oh. a cool novelty thing. But that is funny. It, it, the candles you'd never want to actually light. No, nope. you never want to actually open Day them. Day three uh, board game room. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Gamer funk. That that would be the Happy Jack Campbell. That'd be perfect. Game Is it funk. sad that I like am at the point now where I like miss that? Like, <laughs> like like going to a con even with that sounds fantastic. And like bring on the Gamer Funk. Like it's gonna take me ten minutes to start complaining about it again, but I miss it. Yeah. Oh to beer to beer con. Um well they they have that fart spray. You could use the Sorry, what? the fart spray. Oh it, yeah, it's awful. It's well, of course awful. it is. It'll clear a room. But you could take that and spray it inside of a small container, and then just pour a little bit in. You wouldn't want to spray it because it would. You, you put way too much thought in this. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> and, you know what? And they would have been awesome because I found all the stuff I need to make the candles, and the, the, like the little me- metal, little metal candle container things with the little lids. Mm-hmm. I, I found all the stuff. I just didn't. It just damn. For, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Maybe well, next year. Maybe next year. Uh, okay, uh, who wants to read the first email? L five L five R clans and initial exposure from Jolene. I think Kurt said he wanted to because it was a short email. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. Slacker. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> let me clear my throat here. L five R clans and initial exposure from Jolene. Hey y'all, Jolene from the Discord here again with a pretty simple and forward question. How much do you think players' thoughts on playing multi-clan games versus single-clan games are based on their initial introduction when playing L5R? Like, I think I was introduced to the game by playing a birthday celebration in which many clans were invited. Then it becomes a murder mystery, and it's up to the PCs to figure out what's up. That and the Topaz Championship seem to be the types of first sessions I always end up in. So I have a lot of familiarity with playing special Magistrate games. Y'all obviously had the Saga of Inukai, which was a crane game, so many of y'all seem to have that as a cornerstone. I don't know. What do y'all think? Stay safe and enjoy a snack or drink. P.S. Do any of y'all have a school clan uh, you want to play, try, but have yet to have the opportunity? Mm. 
I I mean, I think the first impression of any game is sort of what imprints itself on people. Um, and we've and we've continued to play that way. We've become, continue, I think the last campaign is the closest we've come to doing um, a multi-clan game. And that was, we ended up, you know, being Ronin, so we were kind of clanless, even though we had, like, character traits and some of the, and the, right. the characters were built with those clans. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. That's a really good question. L5R is so... Clans play such a huge part in the game, it's really hard to escape it, even more so than Vampire. Because vampires tend to just sort of wander off on their own for centuries and just do their own thing, and you know they'll check in with their clan out again. Or and you could play it real clan centric, but they have the option not to. But with with L five R, I constantly feel like the clans are always in the background or a very important part of the characters. And, and whenever they go into a city, there's I mean the clans start taking precedence. So it's really hard to escape clan dynamics in that game. It's always there, even as Ronin, you, you're. Mm-hmm you're dealing with other clans who, and how they view you. I think... I think go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go, sure. Well, I never played it. I only read the book and then decided to run it, and that my first impression reading through the book was, how the fuck is a, is a, a party made up of four or five different clans going to ever get along? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the, that, was my, that was my first thought. So, so, for me at least, I would say, in this case, no. I ran... Or, or stipulated that everyone make a, a, a crane character because I, did, I could not wrap my head around a party working together without there being a bunch of infighting. Now, maybe there's the assumption that most people have when they come into L5R is that there, it's more like Vampire. Maybe there is going to be a bunch of mm. a bunch of infighting and they and and you know player uh, PC versus PC tensions and stuff like that. I don't know. So, I mean, it, in, in, for me, I think the the, the statement that the, the, your first your first exposure to playing a game determines kind of how you view it. I think that's absolutely true. But with that that particular game, I never played it. I've never played it. I've only run it, and I just I got I got the 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 perception I got of the game just by reading the fourth edition book. It's and interesting I, that you compared it to Vampire with the clans. Um, I hadn't thought about that before, but that's 100% correct. Um, and I think, like, thinking of it that way, um, I've always kind of thought of L5R as uh, because of how we've played it, like, not because of anything it says in the books, now, like, kind of reflecting on this. I've always kind of thought of it as a game where you all were trying to work together for something. And, and I've never... I thought of it as something where you, there's like a lot of like infighting things between p- players and the NPCs, but that's 100% right. Like it's supposed to be, in many cases, I think played like Vampire, where you're all trying to like backstab each other and you have all this political um, ha- happening under the surface with each other. And that's interesting. I, I, it's just like in Vampire. Really obvious, but I hadn't thought of it. Right. Just like in Vampire, some of the clans are diametrically <laughs> opposed to each other. It's not just Scorpions against everybody. The Lion don't like. Is it Crane? Yeah, no. Lion and Crane don't like each other. Don't like each other. So the, it's uh, built into that. The crab There's don't like already... anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah I, I think more, like, thinking of it this way, I think it's more what type of game you want to play. And if you are someone who's interested and wants to play L5R with all those political machinations, like you, Stu was just saying, and you're trying to play against each other, at the same time you're trying to do something together... And that's what how it and that's what interests you about that setting. Then yeah, I, I can see that playing with the multi clan game would be like perfect and ideal, right? Um, especially if you don't want to be like literal monsters like vampire. Um, so it's interesting. Huh. There's some limits to it though too. <clears throat> like in order to train up in your school, you then have to go to your some place that your clan holds sway and learn your disciplines from the your crane fight master or whoever it is. Um, we found out that if you go running. There's a whole school of running. It's all of a sudden the stuff that anything you learn past what you learned before you went running, you now have to pick from that school. It's it's really the clans are just really centric in that game, and it's really hard to escape it. I don't know if you can play it clan light. You know, I don't know if you could just sort of like 
like D&D where the fighters went to fighter school and the rogues went to the thieves guild and the bards went to music school and they all hang out in the, at an inn and get along because even though they're from dis- different disciplines, they don't, they're not actively competing against each other like the clans do. It's, it's always there. It affects everything you do in L5R. Well, it's I've, really, you are subservient, I think, to the clans and their dictates first and, and then your character comes second. Well, I think yeah, they go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say they mentioned Topaz Championship and uh, Magistrate Games, which to me says that they found some core purpose or reason why these people from these clans have to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like the core conceit is you're all you all have a goal, but obviously in achieving that goal, the way you do it is going to affect your clans differently. So, I could totally see wanting. Oh well, I want my clan to come out on top, or I actually want this thing to happen a certain way, just so that I bet my clan benefits more, or whatever. But ultimately, we all have to finish the same job together. Um, right. I've played a lot of games like I haven't played a lot of LF, uh, uh, L5R. I, the only L5R game I played, I was an orc in Bill's game at a con. Uh, <laughs> and L5R. Yeah, he did like a fantasy L5R game when we were orcs. Oh. Um, but I've, I mean, I've listened to the Inukai ones, and I've I've read the fourth edition books, and I I think you could I think it could be really interesting to lean into the clan dynamics, right? So mm-hmm. just bring that to the table as like, oh well, as this clan, this is really important to me, and here's my side mission, mm-hmm. or here's my alternate objective or way I want to achieve the, our goal together, so that my clan benefits at the end. Yeah, my question <laughs> for people who are playing L5R and doing, like, long-term campaigns with it. Because he's talking... With, or uh, they, I, I don't know if it's... Uh, who it is. Um, but Jolene, I don't know. Uh, they are... Um, they talked about, like, a, a one-shot that they played at a birthday... or Oh, no, that was an actual birthday celebration in the game. Never mind. Yeah, it was in-game birthday celebration. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <sighs> like, if, if they're playing long-term, like, is it just sort of... Because... When you're playing vampire long term, it's like, okay, at some point, people will be murdered. Like, PCs will murder each other, and you'll have to get a new PC. Like, that's how, like, is that something that people who play L5R with multiplayer games, like, long term, just kind of accepts? Because I feel like that would be inevitable. Oh, Even if it's not absolutely. like, like, yeah. Mm, so at it's least like, a duel. Yeah. I mean, super deadly. Really. <laughs> duels are fucking Even deadly. Even if you don't want to, your clan might force you to. You mm-hmm. know? Well, you'll, you'll force yourself to, because duels are awesome. <laughs> Maybe that's what we have to do. Maybe that's like the next Inukai game. That's what I was just be. thinking. <laughs> you got an Inukai game, and just take, just pick whatever clan you want. Let's just see, figure out how it's going to fucking work. Well, yeah, that, that segues to the next question that he had there, which is, what clan would you play? And I, I touched on it on one of one of Stu's games. Again, we're dealing with the latest iteration, so I don't know what schools and stuff exist, but if I could pick any of them from any of the, the various editions, I was I was really intrigued by the Fox Clan. Um, mm. and the Katsunis and stuff. And the, I really I had, I had a whole little character arc ready to go, and I had some really neat uh, details, but I was really fascinated with those guys. That's one of the minor clans I think. It is. Yeah. I, I, I like Crab. I think Crab are awesome. Crab are I'd fun. Play crab. I'd, that'd mm-hmm. be great crab. You play them so well, though, too. They're on <laughs> a bunch of curmudgeons. They are. Well, just keep doing what we do, because you people are too busy fighting. They're just dirty, they're just duty-bound motherfuckers, and they're gruff. Yeah. They're, they're dwarves. They're the dwarves yeah. of <laughs> of L5R. The crane they, are, fancy themselves, crane, they fancy themselves as paladins. The, the, no, the crane are uh, elves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're the elves. What do we got? Lion, lion, I guess, would be the fighters or paladins. <laughs> they think they are. Um, <laughs> that's a great answer. Or, yeah. uh, that's a crab well, answer. Scorpion yeah. of the Thieves Guild. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I was playing... Like, part of me really wants to do Unicorn Clan because of the horses. Mm-hmm. But that that's such a hard thing in games. It's like, hey, here's my horse. Like, it's going to come everywhere with us, and it's, a, I don't know, at least in the type of games we tend to play, that's not not a great, helpful thing. Uh, we don't tend to do giant battles very often. It's like, hey, let's go beat up this guy in this inn. Here's my horse. Like, not helpful. Um, but So I think I'd like to do, um, I think I'd like to try Scorpion, actually. Like Oh, see, Scorpion, they're... That's probably my second favorite is Scorpion. Yeah, that would be. I think that would be. <clears throat> I think that would be much more fun to play. As much as I always want to have a horse. Only because I don't of the backstory off Scorpion. Well, I, I love the backstory of the, why their clan is that way. 
which is that yes. they're, they're they're there to sow dissension so that the clans never unite against the emperor. I mean, there's a lot there's an, a lot of different takes on it, but that's but they are that way not just because they're that way they're that way for a very dutiful purpose. Yeah, I always saw them as the whipping boy. They're, they're there to they're there to be the enemy so that the clans don't unite against the emperor. They're always uniting right. against the scorpion. Right. Mm-hmm. And which begs the question: like when you're playing a scorpion. Everybody knows that you're going to betray them at the end. It's, it's like you know, so so everybody's constantly watching their back around you. I don't know. It's a that's a tough gig. It's like playing a puritan affair. It's like you you just end up being the bad guy and having to lose in every <laughs> in every verbal conversation. Well, I really liked when we did um, the end of our last vampire game, um, and I got to be the um, God. What did they call it? I? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the followers of the set, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The set, it was super fun. That was really fun. And it was like, I, th- I think I think especially after being, like, the the very organized, like, Ventru that was, like, micromanaging everybody for so long, to suddenly flip and just be like, anything I want, was, like, super, really great. <laughs> so I think that would be neat to do that again, like, kind of like, I don't know, it was really fun, and I enjoyed it. And that was the first time I'd really played a character that was quite that duplicitous. So I think I'd really enjoy trying to do that on a much bigger scale. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what would have, what would have happened with your character on a longer term because that was very close to the end of the end of yeah. the campaign anyway. Yeah, and we knew and we knew that, uh, so it was kind of like I, I just got my feet wet in the evilness. Is right. right. Now. <laughs> All right. One of ta- I think it was one of Tappy's stories about the scorpion, uh, where they end up making themselves out to be the fall guy to save the day, so that mm-hmm. there is someone to blame, so everyone else is okay. Yeah, and like ends up actually being the most honorable out of the group, but they have to take the fall because they're the scorpion, and that's their job. Right. Well, and that's the interesting thing too, because even if they're being honorable, everybody doubts it. Yeah. So you could, I mean, you could play a straight and narrow, like perfect, you know, very honorable scorpion, and everyone assumes the opposite just because they're scorpion. So it's it's a neat thing to kind of play off of. James V is suggesting a, a, a vampire of the masquerade circa L five R campaign. Combine the two. <laughs> Samurai vampire? Yes. So everyone has two clans. You have your L5R clan and your vampire clan. Wow. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of discipline to juggle. And, uh, I don't think it would man, be that hard. Just, a lot you, of sidebars. You, you have to pick which system you're going to use and adapt the other system to that one. And probably yeah, there's D10s everywhere. Yeah, a lot of D10s. <laughs> All right. Uh, Heroes, Religion, and Magic from Ed in Florida. Who'd like to read that? Or should I read it? It's long. I can read it. Okay. Let me know if you need a break. We can... can Oh, dang it. It's It's long. long. It's long. I should have looked at it for a while. It's not long. Hello, happy jackers and jillers. Ed from Minnesota, now in Florida here. I am writing today to throw out a a few ideas for you to uh, discuss your thoughts on. I don't know if this is something discussed long ago and far away, but I hope it's at least it at least pr- will provoke an, a few ideas that I can steal from my own games. Premise in the first. PCs in most games are extra special. They are the heroes, gifted, special, monsters, whatever. Something makes the PC different from everybody else. So in my world, I chalk this up to an extra special energy, commonly called magic. Stealing heavily from Earth Dawn, Earth Dawn this, is, this magic is what allows the characters to break or bend the laws of reality and do incredible things. And it is the belief of the character that defines the limits of what they can do. So, in Torg, characters can bend reality through the use of possible energy. In GURPS, they are 200 points instead of 40. In Savage Worlds, they are wild cards. In D&D, they have levels, uh, uh, they have levels of the heroic classes. All of this makes PCs and selected NPCs important people, capitalized, in the world. This makes many groups interested in getting them on their side, or getting rid of them if they are causing problems. I think this makes everyone understand why they can be important, and without forcing them to be. Do, do you want to talk? I, I, do you want me to read the whole thing? I, I would read the I would read the whole thing because he kind of ca- okay. has a conclusion that this is sort of a synthesis of thoughts. Oh, excellent. <clears throat> Premise in the second. All classes in the world are due to the magical ability of the PC, uh, are due to the magical ability of the PC and not outside forces. Playing a warlock, great. The an entity taught you magic by allowing you to tap into your own power source. Paying, playing a cleric. The power is all yours. You are just focusing it in a specific way through your choice. 
This approach allows you to have people change over time without... Uh-oh. You froze. Suggest... You mean, oh. <laughs> go back to... Uh, this approach allows... Oh, am I back now? Yeah, yeah. you're back. Okay. Uh, this approach allows you to have people change over time without losing their previous abilities. They just pick a new path. I'll suggest uh, you take a drink right now and discuss the pros and cons you see. Oh, see, he wrote in like. Okay, yeah, he wrote in breaks. those breaks. That, thank you. That stops us from having to think. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm against it. I like what, about about the having people be considered magic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends on. I think it depends on what kind of setting you're dealing with. But mm-hmm. I mean, for some settings, I think that would work fine. But for others, I see where he's he's going at. He's trying to make sure that that your heroes stand above the normal people, right? right. Just they're extraordinary people, which is sort of implied because they are the heroes, right? You know, the the reason that your D and D group goes adventuring is that they are the best of of sure where they're at. Even at level one, they stand above your normal people. It's, but it's never formally been, I guess, like codified this way. But it's always sort of just been implied that the reason you're here is... Or not. Sometimes, you know, an adventure is just an ordinary person, and then they become extraordinary through the course of the adventure. Which I also think is a is an interesting art for a character, you know? This, this kind of reminds me of... Um, who was it? Tappy? We were talking about 4th edition D&D back when we were running 4th edition D&D. And he, he, he said... So fourth edition D and D feels like that the player characters—they're all like different variants of Jedi, which is a very similar conceit to this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's that it, it isn't just that you know these are these are just you know the the people who would stand out in history or whatever. These are like there's something different about them. They're, there's metachlorians in their in their bloodstream well, or whatever. Especially in four E, everybody had a little magical power that they could do. Yeah, they all had stuff that didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even fighters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they had to have tactical combat things that allowed them to move people around a map. So, right, they just futzed it. <laughs> I think I understand what he's what he's getting at, and I, I I sort of get it because I I might just relabel it as like a geese or something. Like your players have a legacy or a an air about them that's attached to them that makes them that's going to make them important in history for, uh, but we don't know what it is yet. Right. So if they ever run into like an old oracle, they say, "Ooh, you, you are destined for great things." As opposed yeah. to, you're just going to dig ditches for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I think if this okay. is your jam, and I think you know that's that's great. I personally love um, the chance of failing. I love the idea that if I change, you know, if I just if I piss off my god as a cleric, then oh, my power's gone. You know, I I kind of love putting my my player characters as a GM and as a player in those awkward situations where they have to make choices like that. Um, but I also really like, you know, some players hate that and some groups hate that. So this gives a great reason for if they don't want to risk that, if they just want to, you know, build as they go to to have a reason why they get to keep things and, and have special things happen to them. Um, this very much follows kind of like the the chosen one type arc that is so prevalent in every story ever, you know, Luke and Harry Potter and all these things where they're like the special ones. And that's, that's kind of cool. That's, that's fun. That's one of the reasons we play these games is to have these heroic arcs. So this is a great kind of facilitator for that. I, I still really wanted Neville to be the chosen one in the Harry Potter. I know. I would have been it's such a great so fan theory that you awesome. came up with. It would have been so awesome and such a good life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that okay. guy's hot now. Like he's um, <laughs> really? Correct me if I'm wrong, Stu, but I'm th- I think in the GURPS books, the whole preamble talks about how why why the your player character gets 200 more points as opposed to the 44 normal, and it talks about them being heroic and extraordinary and standing above the rest and all of that. Yeah. So, and I think in most games, all of that is implied in the preamble that nobody ever reads anymore. I think. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean. I oh, mean, it, Stu got quiet. The whole no. Well, the, did I? You can't Stu, hear me. yourself. No, you're good for me. Oh, I must have muted me. Am I? You guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, I you can hear fine. both okay. of you. All right. Yeah. Um, th- I think. I mean, in in GURPS, if you want to play, I mean, you can play. We've we we used to screw around and play like 
a really we played a really low level game once where everyone was playing kobolds and I think everyone made their characters on like 10 or 20 points. They had to take a bunch <laughs> of disadvantages so they had yeah. more points to work with. And then they built their they built kobolds and we did like a one shot or a two shot that we did once a long time ago. And I think I thought it was it was hysterical. It's very fun to to play like the the the, the un, not the the you know the, the underdog and have them, you know, and they're and they're 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 successes and their triumphs they're, they're very minor <laughs> they're, but they're big to them <laughs> I like those I like those I have well, I also have a soft spot for kobolds so <laughs> <laughs> I I really like this idea I mean I kind of used it in where is it there in lighthearted all the characters get chosen by one of the four deities when they come into contact with dark magic they get like light powers and that makes them special so they can go and fight the darkness so like I built this into my world mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a neat thing on a setting level mm-hmm. like I yeah, would I not apply this to every game for sure because right. there are times when I just want my fighter to be a dude who just like did some great deeds and beat the odds right um, but like in some settings, I really, I really like this idea that like you are special because you have this cool power, right? You've been chosen, or you've been gifted, or you've been born with this innate ability. Um, one of the one of the stories. This isn't an RPG, but it's uh, "Kill the Farm Boy" by Kevin. I think it's by Kevin Hearn. Uh, if you can be chosen for a quest, like someone can just give you a quest, and while you're on a quest, you are like an entity tied to fate. And so you can't really die while you are while you are a, a quest goer or a, on a quest, and you end up with like these weird supernatural happenstance things happen to you, like uh, people. You know, it's hard to kill you by accident because you're on a quest, and so fate is like looking out for you. Um, the the book has a really great premise, and it's basically a D and D adventure. <laughs> uh, so I suggest reading it, um, but. That's one way to handle this type of thing, right? Like, oh, you've all been given a quest, so now fate is paying attention, and you're just not going to die until you complete your quest. That kind of stuff. I, I, that, that's interesting. Yeah. I need to. So, all right, I'm going to continue. Premise the third. Premise the third. Yes, I was about to say it, Stu. I, I know. Since the PC's own magic determines their power, gods and demons and everything similar do not have to be omniscient beings. They can be powerful beings with their own goals and games. Often, the gift of a powerful being is just XP or a magical item. And the spell that grants communication, uh, and the spell that grants communication I have tied to several specific beings that use the energy of the spell for their own purpose and give knowledge as a gift for, uh, for giving them the energy. In my D&D game, a vast majority of the spells utilize devils to work. And uh, did you cast Copperhand Languages? An invisible imp appears and begins to whisper translations in your ear uh, and speaks your words. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, back in an infernal tainted voice for the next hour. I did steal this concept, uh, the concept of ectoplasm from Dresden. So kill the imps and they turn into slime that evaporates in a few mem- minutes. It's a very handy thing. As it so. should, yes. Yes. Uh, hope you're not discussing anything you don't want the devil to uh, devil in charge of the imp to know. Uh, did you cast commune? You sent a messenger from a greater power, be it a demon, devil, or old one. I have a fun world. Uh, I have a fun world history where angels create souls for demons and devils to forge into soldiers to fight against the old ones. Good times. Interesting. Yeah. For me, the fun part is not letting the PCs know much about how things work. But to save small hints, uh, give small hints of the weird that exists in uh, as they progress through the world, and nothing is more fun when they start to understand that the high priest of the local church of light and dark, the Egyptian pantheon in my world, is a devotee of Set, which means that he is a powerful sorcerer focused on lightning magic. By refining where the power came from, I also open the door for religion to be a spiritual choice and not a requirement by a specific class. The high priest of Montu may be a fighter and unstoppable by almost anyone, but his brother, the another high priest, happens to be a bard who inspires the faithful uh, to acts of greatness on the battlefield. He, uh, this has resulted in a ranger in one game becoming a warlock to one of the BDG in exchange for a major magic item and uh, the, premise, the promise of power. 
All he had to do was bring the BBG back from the dead and break him out of the cursed city he was entombed in. I awarded the PCXP as a gift from the BBG, which he used, uh, which he used to buy a level of warlock. Good times. So I hope this has given you something to talk about for a bit. I'm curious to what, what as to what your thoughts are and whether uh, and what new ideas you come up. With. Oh, you, you paused again. You there? Uh, Hello. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. Now you're Hello? fine. Okay, I apologize. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, did I did you see? I hope this is giving you something to talk about. Yeah, that, that's where you need to start. Okay, so I hope this is giving you something to talk about for a bit. I'm curious what your thoughts are and what new ideas you come up with that I can steal for my continued world evolution. I hope you're all doing well <clears throat> and drink. And for Minnesota, formerly big troll on the forums. P.S. Bow down before the ones you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. Head like a hole, nine inch nails. Excellent. I think that's awesome. I think you need to write a setting. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is like really cool. And that's, I mean, a setting or even your own like RPG with system. Because this is all really cool stuff that you're kind of uh, homebrewing into other systems. Like, this is very cool. Make it cool and make it yours. Yeah. I, I especially like the 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 sort of take on on the spells like an interpretation spell actually sends like a little a little dude to sit on your shoulder and whisper in your ear and then and then translate for you which is in, could be incredibly distracting yeah and i i love that idea and i i but i love the idea of of tweaking what specific spells do and it's it's really only set dressing for the most part but, Absolutely. But it, I like the fact that, that everyone that their magic would suddenly become way more unique for the different the different disciplines. Yeah, that's absolutely. an awesome idea, and it makes it doesn't it doesn't say it's like I cast this spell. No, this thing shows up and it. It reminded me. It reminded me a bit of um the old Stormbringer uh, uh, RPG where in order to have magic happen, you would have to ca- uh, summon and bind a demon into an item. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to cast fire, you would have to bind an ifrit into a ring, and then every time you wanted to cast fire from that ring, or have a fire effect, or use it, you'd have to have a battle of wills of that ifrit, win, and then it would do your bidding and throw a fireball. Um, and so, in order for you to have multiple magical things, you had to have multiple demons on your person bound to various items. It's wow. a very cool idea. Mm-hmm. And then magic is just you and a battle of wills with the demon that you have bound in the item as opposed to some nefarious magical force that, you know, flows through us and binds us and, and permeates us. <laughs> and a good dose of penicillin can get rid of it all. Rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I actually ran a long... I had a long-running Savage Worlds fantasy game where I heavily customized all of the powers for each individual player. Um, I tried to get them to do it themselves with trappings and things like that, and then we found out that the players just didn't care about game design as much as I did, and so I ended up having to write, like, pages of spell books <laughs> with the powers, so that they all, like, they all may have bolt, but, like, one of them is, you know, pulling a fairy out of their coat and, like, throwing it at someone and then explodes or whatever. Like, Yeah, I, I don't it, mind that. I love that. They they all got different. Uh, but I, I even did the thing that he was talking about with anytime they got a boon from a deity or something like that, I just gave him 10 XP and said, go buy a couple edges, and that's the boon you got. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an excellent idea. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it worked great. Okay. I can unmute my mic now. The fire engine went by, and the <laughs> my dogs have stopped howling. It's great that like when you mute it and then take the time to just tell everybody about it after. Someone <laughs> 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 well, was right in the middle of the sentence so, <laughs> when Next. they started. Yes. Uh, APs and playstyles from MJS. You want to read that story? Or you want me to read? Sure, I can do it. Okay. Hey, happy jacks. My last email, I don't think I made myself clear enough about behavior. Not sure. When I referred to players acting like massive douchebags, I wasn't referring to the players being rude to any to one another or their PCs being rude to other PCs. I was referring to mostly interactions between PCs and DM-run DM PCs. 
As I mentioned before, I've watched a number of tabletop RPG live streams and videos on YouTube ranging from you folks and Happy Jacks to stuff like Critical Role, live streams on the Dungeons & Dragons channel to uh, Oxfinger, I don't mm-hmm. remember, by Outside Xbox. Uh, it seemed to be a recurring theme that when PCs would interact with NPCs, everything from shopkeeps and innkeeps to town guards and nobility, they would be threatening, rude, or even demeaning to the NPCs in some way. I think the reason I started noticing it more and more is because there never seemed to be any consequences for this sort of behavior. It didn't foster immersion in the setting. It didn't make the game world uh, or the people that inhabit it appear alive. Which brings me to one of the topics in this email. Consequences for bad behavior by PCs towards NPCs. What are your opinions on consequences for PC behavior? PCs react to NPC behavior, especially violent or insulting behavior from NPCs? Shouldn't the same also be true for NPCs? Would negative reactions as a consequence for PC actions be good for immersion or in the world? Does using consequences for PC actions seem more like a punishment for having fun than a good chance for role-playing? Is there a way to do it without it being seen as a punishment? Such a such as reaction rolls from the DM to see how NPCs react to PCs, or would that just bog down the game even more? Is it more work for a DM? What are your thoughts on negative NPC reactions to behavior of PCs? By the way, I only mentioned consequences for bad PC behavior because I have yet to hear a player complain positive reactions are detrimental to the game. <laughs> the second thing I was hoping you would discuss is kind of related to this. Maybe you've covered it. Play styles and audience reactions. What are your thoughts on playstyles, realistic versus theatrical versus cinematic? What are the pros and cons for which you prefer? How does live streaming games affect the choice of playstyle? Typically, stream games are seeking an audience. How does that affect the style of gameplay, both from the player and DM perspective? And how does how does it affect character choices, both before the play and after? Dave's brief talk about how people reacted to his Mr. Clean character in Mask got me thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Let's, but there's a lot to unpack in this. This could have made a whole episode. Let's talk about the, the first the first thing about about uh, PCs reacting or, or or treating NPCs poorly, which mm-hmm. you see. It's not. It, I don't think that's ver- that that's. I think that's a pretty common thing. Should yeah. there should should I know what my opinion on the thing is? But what do you guys think about if there should there be repercussions? Should people take umbrage to to being treated like an underling when you walk into their shop? Uh, yes, yeah. I, I think so. And in fact, I remember once um, we, we behaved like douchebags or, or said something in, intimidating or douchey, and, and, you're, and the NPC got all, well, I'm not helping you then. And then we ended up having to backpedal. Good because, morning. Oops, you know, can't just threaten them and be douchey, because why, why would they volunteer information if you're not pleasant to them? Yeah, it's I think just this like is, the real world. Yeah, I think <laughs> right. this is a must. Like... If people, I mean, like we we have the, uh, uh, like the they're they're murder tourists is what people say because uh, uh, that's sort of like the new incarnation because they always have money, like very rarely are they actually like so, so we're changing it to murder, murder tourists because tourist. often they're carrying a whole bunch of stuff they're very well off they've got magic they've got their weapons, luggage. Yeah, but they still go around like murdering people for information. So murder tourists are what you know the, the joke it's, about it's, what players are. It's perfect because they don't speak the language. They walk in with the title moves. You know, exactly. they cut they cut in front of the line. You know, they come in and destroy the local economy with all of their fucking influences. Do you know and who I am? I have an annual pass. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, peasant. Yeah. Out of my way. I need oh, to speak yeah. to the magistrate. Oh, so, something that that doesn't just just a, a, a quick complaint. That doesn't matter to anyone who doesn't live near a Disney property. Oh my God, the kvetching about the annual passes! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay, they're gonna replace it with another thing anyway. Come yeah. on, they're yeah, not they, gonna give up that d- money. For, for those who don't know that that uh, Disney Disneyland has annual passes. What they were about a grand a year or something like that. Oh yeah, more than they were that, expensive. The, the ones, the ones. There's like different levels. You pay different amounts, and then you get a different number of days you can go. Okay, and and they just said they're going to discontinue it, and they're going to pay back everyone their un whatever the prorated unused time they had on since when they closed in March. So yeah, and, oh my god, the complaints. Yeah, they've already they already ha- have tested the new thing that they've wanted to switch to for a while, which is like a, a it's called a flex pass, and it's like a reservation system. So that way they know how many. 
pass holders are coming in a day so they know how many tickets they can sell to tourists, which right. is a genius system because they were and having the- problems with people who are coming as tourists who spend a lot more money like getting locked out for the day yeah that um, th- that and, and they make a lot of money on people coming out of state yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> uh, anyway back to yeah so with it, basically that that was the annual pass holder joke is like because anyone who's ever worked at Disneyland hates annual pass holders because they're uh, they're entitled jerks most of the time to the employees so uh, yeah so they're uh, that's that was it boy that Kimmy at happyjacks.org <laughs> All those Disnoids. Not a real email. Well, it is a real email, but I haven't checked it in like 800 years. I don't know if but, it is um, a real email. I have to I, look. I was an annual pass holder for a long time, so I can say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, say so, but I, I mean, this is kind of like, <laughs> well, this is kind of the the um, the joke about, about PCs with NPCs, right? They're jerks to them. Um, they murder them, they threaten, like, you go into the shop, and instead of being like, oh, I love this, I'm buying this for my mom, hey, did you happen to see that? It's always like, here's my sword, tell me the information! <laughs> like, that's the joke. Right. Um, so yeah, there absolutely 100% should be uh, uh, consequences for that behavior. And yeah. that is not just the fourth grade teacher and me talking about that. The, <laughs> my, the, 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 what, the, the, only, the only bit of advice I can say about consequences is at some point you got to learn to walk away from them. Otherwise, you're going to have a game that's about nothing but consequences. Because it turns yeah. out a lot of players, not the characters, but their players, a lot of them don't learn. Yeah. <laughs> they dig their heels in and they'll start taking out Yes. The town, you know? It, it, they, yeah. they will literally, like, fuck this town telling me what to do, and they will start going through and making everybody's life difficult. Unless you're, get chased out of the town. Unless you're willing... To totally throw out what you had planned for your adventure and have it be a jailbreak instead, have a hard limit on what you're willing to do for consequences. I know players that would rather die than get taken to jail. Oh, I know. They fight yeah. tooth and nail, and then if they get sent to jail, they get pouty and mad, and they don't want to play anymore. And you're like, no, I'm saying go for a jailbreak. They're like, I don't fucking care. I was gonna, I'm gonna kill this whole town, and now you've you've screwed yourself. And, and yeah. now, Does now they talk. Yeah. Go ahead. I definitely talk to your players before you suddenly implement this if you haven't done it previously be like hey you know I've noticed this in our playing I think it'd be an interesting thing to add and it might be simple as the shopkeeper they threaten just like yeah. like maybe they just maybe they start spreading rumors so they have higher prices everywhere else they go for a while yeah, like it doesn't al- yeah, it doesn't always have to be like oh I'm calling the, the constable or whatever and then you, you know then you get the jailbreak episode um, so it can be small things like that just kind of be aware make sure you have multiple plans for that right or um, if you like I want you to make a custom sword for me oh okay well you were a dick to me so it's going to take me three weeks yeah because I'm going to do all the all the work for the people I like first yeah exactly <laughs> so that sort of thing like they, maybe they get a bad reputation so it's really hard for them to get you know, their food is really high priced and doesn't taste very good and things like that. So it's got you don't have to <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to go with uh, consequences that are, are story altering necessary well, that's still story altering if it takes three weeks, but not to the extreme of like them being arrested and things like that. I can totally see the whole town getting <laughs> passive aggressive with them and jacking up the prices everywhere they go because they know they have money and they're all acquiesce and you know, Oh, it's good to see you sir. Oh no, I see you like that rug, that's gonna be three hundred gold pieces. Yeah. I'm so sorry, we don't have any rooms in the inn tonight. Oh, you could sleep in the stables. We'd love to accommodate you there. Or, you know, my inn, I I can actually rent you my whole house if you want it, but that's going to be a thousand a day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that, that, see, there there needs to be some consequences to a certain extent, and it's always fun to watch the Min-Maxer and Grognard squirm when their threats, which is their only one thing to do, they, they their threats just don't work, and they actually have to like try to role-play their way out of a situation. But again, as Stu said, that's not a hill you want to die on. At some point, you have to back off and let things happen and, and you know, move well, the story I, forward. Unless you're willing to throw it all out and say, okay, this is going to escalate until someone decides it's not going to escalate anymore, and I don't know where yeah, that's going to end right. up, because I'm not really attached to this NPC. <laughs> something, I would, something I would try to consider is, what are the likelihood that this NPC has any recourse? So, uh, how how valiant is the town constable? Are they willing to take on the murder tourists? Right. Uh, how, how, likely, how much money do they have, and how much is that worth to the shop owner? Are they willing to just let them be a dick to them so they can sell them their overpriced goods. Like, 
what's what are they willing to accept from the mur- murder tourists knowing that they don't have a recourse for it so if they go into a super lawful town or something and then they're dicks to everybody then maybe yeah they know that the the town guard or whatever will take care of the problem but if they're in like a small village who's gonna who's gonna deal with the murder tourists oh yeah they probably just gonna let them do whatever they want and hope they go away like a natural disaster and just make them pay more yeah yeah see and at some point you end up with this whole world building thing like the the head of the constables or and even some of the constables are like retired adventurers themselves or paladins and mm-hmm. so like you you start to cross them. They're like, "All right, we're, we're bringing out our our uh, murder tourist uh, squad, and they're going to come and confront you." You know, and it's going to be this group of like level twenty ex adventurers, veterans with uh, <laughs> with the, the murder tourism could... response unit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do damage control. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, now what about um, uh, 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 play styles and audience reactions? What are your thoughts on play styles, realistic versus theatrical versus cinematic? What are the pros and cons, and which do you prefer? How does live streaming games affect the choice of a play style? Typically streamed games are seeking an audience. How does that that affect the style of gameplay, both from player and DM perspective? I feel like, for me, at least this is like a chicken and the egg question. Like... Like, I definitely feel myself when I'm streaming a game, making choices that are affected by the fact that people are watching. Um, like, there's times when you're playing at the table and you will let a conversation just go kind of slowly and everyone pause. You you don't... You try not to have those, like... Like, we don't care quite so much, but um, you don't want just, like, quiet while everybody thinks. Or, like, sometimes when you're, like, looking up a rule, like, other people try and make conversations, so you're not all just sitting there with people watching you flip through pages in a book. Or things like that. So it definitely has some sort of effect on there. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, ab- especially that kind of stuff. The 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 sort of uh, bookkeeping, sort of I don't know what do you what do you housekeeping kind of stuff that you do. Like when, especially like looking up rules and stuff like that. That's always kind of a cringy thing for me. Yeah, when we have to do hard. that during a game, and it happens a lot, especially because I have a shit memory and same. <laughs> I don't. I just don't remember. I wonder. I, uh, I ran a play test last night of Lighthearted uh, for a thing I'm writing, and uh, I got called out for vamping uh, when they were doing character creation because there's no one watching; it's just <laughs> us on Zoom, and I'm just like filling dead air. Right. And, and 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 Kate looks at me and she's like, "They're reading. No one's listening to you." <laughs> like, Shit. Oh. It's even more confusing now that we're all streaming all the time. Yeah. Right. Even when you're in, you're just playing on Zoom with friends and nobody's watching, and it's like you're feeling like you're on stream. Like, it used to be like we had the studio, and that was where we had our studio, like, persona games. And then we were, like, at someone's house in their living room, and that was, like, the chill, let's go eat snacks and, like, take a drink and, like, all those things games. Um, But now it's just all the same. Right. I know that it affects my role-playing in in many ways. Maybe I roleplay a bit more than I would because I know I'm trying to be cinematic. But also sometimes there's been some choices that I haven't made because I don't want to get the hate mail. (laughs) True. I get enough hate mail as it is. But there are some choices that I've thought about doing and I'm like, I just don't want to deal with the fallout, you know. And then then even just etiquette at the table. Like when when nobody's watching, get up and go to the bathroom, you eat more. Um, And sometimes I'm constantly aware that I'm sort of um, being watched, you know, mm. and to behave myself a bit, and try to make mm-hmm. try to make what I'm doing interesting, and make maybe more interesting choices, or at least try to stick with something. And sometimes I've even found myself backing off because I find that um, I could I could dominate a, a table if I want with no story and be really no, and it's and it's something <laughs> that that when you're trying to share a thing and everybody's watching that that's not fun to watch somebody do that all the time and, and at a in a normal tip where you're, you're not being filmed people can just say or it could go along with it or whatever because they can leave the room or you know everybody's stuck at the table when on the show or just trying to be to, like hey Stork stop <laughs> I just it, it, it's it's like if I want to do a sidebar uh, and, and we're not being filmed. You guys can just go into the backyard and have a cigarette, or go to the bathroom and get sodas or whatever, and we can sidebar. But when everybody's sort of stuck at a table, it's not really fair to the audience and to the rest of the players. Mm-hmm. So it does affect, perhaps, like personal backstory choices more. I'm going to say, try to avoid that. I think um, 
it definitely it affects me less than it used to now. Um, especially when we first started streaming, we were playing the vampire game, and mm-hmm. I was Adriana the Ventru, um, and I was like, and that's a it's a hard thing because I wanted to. I think there's a teacher in me that felt like we needed to be like the example and practice all the things we've been preaching all these years of like don't split the party. I mean, we don't say split, don't split the party, but like you know, don't be the dick. You know, all these things like you know, and it's sort of like. I was trying to be like it's like when we go to conventions and everybody gets drunk. You just you just the, cut out again. The teacher on the field trip, <clears throat> making sure everybody gets to wherever they need to be. Literally, there's one time where I like had them all hold hands. It was a thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I felt like I was doing a lot of wrangling and trying to be fair to everybody when that wasn't really how I think Adrian like like thinking about it now would have behaved. I think she would have been just like, Oh yeah. Kill the gang girl. Right. Done. Like, but I didn't want to be like that. Cause that's, I, I mean, while that's very vampire, I felt that was a shitty thing to do, especially for a stream game. So I think there's a lot of situations where, uh, especially with Stork and Max characters, where it was a lot more lenient or looking for ways to role play it realistically that Adrian would like have a logical reason for not just murdering them. <laughs> Um, and that sort of thing. So I, I, I think, but I think as I've gotten used to streaming and as I've gotten used to people watching, I do that less. And I, now I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the jerk thing and it's going to be really interesting. And that's going to turn out to be the thing that the audience loves more than anything else. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if my GMing has changed. <clears throat> um, I, I mean, I, I definitely am always thinking about like the whole filling dead air thing. Don't go shopping. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Fuck shopping. I hate shopping <laughs> even when there's no one listening. That's true. <laughs> I don't like shop. I don't. Like, I don't like shopping in real life. Why the <laughs> fuck would I role play it? Um, the only time that's fun is you having your custom weapon made. <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, I don't know if I've changed much about my GMing. Um, I've certainly paid. Or tried to pay more attention to the advice I give on the air, <laughs> and maybe try it more than I do. Although I'm, I'm pretty, pretty. I think, uh, I mean, forthright about what where my shortcomings are, and I think that that shows up. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's really changed my change. gene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than like the the bookkeeping type stuff. I think that's that's changed a little bit for you, yeah. Um, but not, but nothing as far as like, like actually how oh. you pl- how you you GM and run games and how your storytelling has changed. A lot, more, a lot more NPCs. I, I do a lot more prep for NPCs now than I used to. Yes, you're also less props. Because I think uh, when we had a table and, and we weren't being recorded... But oh, well, yeah, if you're talking about online, had... online versus in-person, yeah, right, absolutely, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. You I made thought... matchbook covers at one point for, for a game we had. I fucking love that shit. That's what I mean, yeah. It used to say better living through office supplies because you really like good props. And I something I got from you because there's nothing cooler than handing a prop to the whole table and then suddenly they're like five-year-old kids at Christmas and they're mm-hmm. opening it up and looking at it and everybody huddles and they're starting to figure something out. And it, and it doesn't really work well um, on a live stream. You know, but it works well at a, at a table. I disagree. A, There's been a couple thing. times where you've done cool props for stream games. Not obviously when we're all remote, um, but like there's been a bunch of times. I mean, like the vampire game we did, it was so. I mean, it was completely campaign altering that cool paper you made. The newspaper. I, yeah, the newspaper. <laughs> like, and I know we talk about it all the time, and it's like legends of old. The you know the the late old lady who owned a bar who be, ended up a mage with doilies, um, but like you know, I, I, so I, I think you still you still do that, and I think we do a a good job of kind of describing it, just because we've done you know, I mean, with the cameras you can hold it up now. That's different than right. it used to be. We when we just recorded it, it was like let us describe this thing to you. Um, no, I think, I think that I think the most the thing that's changed the most, honestly. Um, is generally we play a lot more regularly. Yeah. Um, and I, that's changed lately just because life is in chaos right now. But, like, 
like when we started actually streaming games with live audiences, suddenly we were playing like every other week for sure. And I think that has sort of changed the tone of our games because we're a lot more updated on things a lot of times than we used to be. So I and think we can wa- go back and watch it. The, the biggest change between streaming games or, or, or recording games, I should say, mm-hmm. and, and just playing just to play that I can definitely say that there's a huge difference is, is the number of systems I now play. Yeah. Because if I was just running games because I wanted to run games... It'll be GURPS. It would, well, it, pro- it probably would be. It probably would still be GURPS. Yeah. <laughs> because I'd still know the third edition rules damn near by heart. And I don't have to look shit up, ever. That's, that's awesome. That's <laughs> nice. So that, that's yeah, I love GURPS when it's run by somebody that knows the system that they don't have to look at. I mean, some of the best games I've had are with Mook, you know, who just right. who knows that system backwards and forwards, and he makes it, it, it. And that that game plays really well if your GM is on it. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never would have bought those fucking Star Wars FFG books that are still sitting up on that shelf. Yeah, I've used they're pretty, They are pretty. They're God, the artwork. They got great. good maps. They cool, cool great pictures maps. of planets. Yeah. Yeah, the artwork's fantastic. That's about all I use them for. We had a good time playing that system. I, I actually really enjoyed that. Okay. <laughs> I, I watched a couple of those plays, uh, actual plays, and I you know, wasn't a lot of good theater. Stand that Something that changed for me when I started uh, doing a lot of streamed games is I clip scenes. I'm, I'm more likely to clip a scene than to let it play longer if I feel like it's losing mm-hmm. gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't, like, at a table, you can kind of let it go and see if it's going to pick back up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not really hurting anybody. But when it's on screen, it's like, well, I don't know if this is going anywhere. It feels like they don't know where they're going, but we're just sort of riffing and, okay, let's cut here and move on. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm a lot more likely to, to clip scenes uh, early. That's a very good point. Stream. I'm much more likely to write things down and take notes. Um, it's really actually uh, difficult for me to focus for a whole game session because um, of my ADHD. So even in-person games, it's hard. So, like, the chat was actually something that was really, really helpful for me because it would keep me engaged. Like, and it sounds like it's me being selfish because, oh, I'm not in the scene, but that's not it. It's literally like my brain is like, well, look at the light. That light is really pretty. Oh, they're talking to me again. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what just happened. So the chat actually was something that was really helpful to me to stay immersed in the game as it was happening because I could read the chat that was generally about what was happening right? and kind of stay informed that way and like look back and kind of tune in and it gave me, for whatever weird reason, multitasking helps me focus on a single thing. Um, so that's actually been something that's been incredibly helpful for me in my role playing. Um, and it's something that didn't really matter as much, but I think if you go back and listen to the audio only podcasts before we started video streaming, I think there's probably a, a pretty big difference in in how up-to-date I am. Because there's even times where now I can, like, correct other people. Like, <laughs> oh, this was happening. <laughs> and it's like, ha look at me! Um, and that's actually one of the things that's been really difficult for me with uh, uh, streamed, ga- well, not streamed, but, like, video games. Like, playing all of us on Zoom or whatever. Um, that's It's really hard for me to focus sometimes. Mm-hmm. They, they also brought up play styles, like what? What's? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It said, "What are your thoughts on play styles, realistic versus theatrical versus cinematic?" That feels like a personal choice, like a, a personal preference kind of thing. Uh, if we're talking about what play styles are better for streamed games, I have a I favor cinematic, but I don't know that you could say that one of these play styles is objectively better at a table. Oh yeah, I, I yeah I would I would think it would it's going to depend on the people playing and the audience watching. Yeah. There would have to be a balance. If you have one person who's doing a very realistic play on a character next to somebody who's incredibly theatrical, there's going to be that dominance there that kind of Stork was alluding to earlier, where mm. that person gets more time, that person gets more focus, you know, unless they are incredibly aware. But even then, it's going to feel a little bit lopsided. So I think the most important thing, even though there's different play styles, for sure, like everyone's a little bit different, and we've got different types of gamers, as we've talked about many times before. But I think generally that's something that has to be kind of talked about in the tone um, and in, like, your session zero. Like, hey, this is going to be a really cinematic game. You know, and you're going to talk about, you know, if you're going to be, I don't know, 
I think, think of it so, like Marvel or like oh you know soldiers like realistic soldiers in a, in a real situation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think setting affects a lot of that too. Yeah, You're, playing a SWAT team is going to be radically different than playing magical kids in a university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, was that? MJS, thank you for the email. We appreciate it. Uh, that's it. Anything? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the lighthearted uh, Kickstarter URL going to be, or, or where do people go to find out about that again? You can go to lighthearted.games to learn Where? more and and click on uh, notify me on launch. That'll take you right to the Kickstarter page, and yeah, that'll turn into the actual Kickstarter page when it goes live. That sounds great, but you haven't actually told me anything about the game. Why would I want well, to play Lighthearted? Well, Lighthearted is a magical ladies RPG where you play a prep jock geek rebel or outcast. You know, like those kids in the Breakfast Club, except you're just about to start magical community college. Yeah. So is it like a combination of that and community? It's it's somewhere between it's somewhere between the Breakfast Club and the Magicians on okay. like a setting level. Okay. And it's somewhere between Savage Worlds and PBTA on a system level. Oh, okay. is it your own system too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah, I just assumed it. wrong wrongly that it was a, a Powered by the Apocalypse hack. Yeah, it's it it took all of the lessons I I've my wife and I have learned about PBTA over the last like three years and tried to pair that with our favorite die mechanic which is the Savage Worlds roll two and keep the highest with exploding dice. Very cool. So it's like a it's like an interesting mix there. It's got like strengths which are kind of like edges. Uh, It's got some it's got it's got everything I love about role playing games. It's like my love letter to how I like to play games. Very nice. (laughs) And your your AP of that is going so well. It's so cool. And it's neat because I think you're one of your first you ran for uh, Rainbow Railroad, like one of your very first like like streams of it. And it was like back in beta testing, I think. That was that was when it was still a Savage Worlds setting. Yeah. I, like, my original plan oh, was just really? to make a setting for Savage Worlds, mm. and then through playing it, we realized that we just didn't need a lot of the combat stuff because they're mm. about it's about kids, it's about their feelings, it's about how they react to each other and their relationships, and so like a lot of the combat and wounds stuff fell away. And we brought in a lot of the, like, there's an emotion spectrum, which is like a variable wild die. So depending on how you're feeling, you roll a different die for your wild die. Uh, and we brought in things like you can take narrative conditions, like how fate does conditions, but they get applied to your stats, so they still affect how well your character performs. Stuff like that. That's, That's getting awesome. into the nitty-gritty of them. Yeah, it's, it's very cool, <laughs> and it's been great to watch its development, and it's super fun to watch your AP every other Monday. Oh, thank you. Super exciting. I really like playing it. And the art is awesome. Yay, Minerva. Oh, my gosh. Minerva is the best. Yeah. Get out. Let me get out of the way. See, Beautiful. Cool. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Totally pro. That looks awesome. Minerva's a friend of the show. She's been watching for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. I'm going to go ahead. Anything else? No. Going once, going twice? My baby's still cute. What? My baby's still cute. Of course. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. That doesn't change it's... until teen years. Yeah. Sure. I don't know, my baby's pretty cute. He's what? 17. Her girl almost 17. <laughs> I said my baby's pretty cute and he's almost 17, so. <laughs> well, Thank you for joining us for season 28, episode 1 of Happy Jack's Overture Podcast. My name is Stu. Stork. My name's Kimmy. And I'm Kurt. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, happyjacks.org slash live. Until then, stay safe. Thank you very much. Bye. We pursue this hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dreadful exalted. Girls or dungeons and dragons. Hero can find the fatal savage When you no problem have, you don't want to make. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire.
Bum, 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 bum.